morning, meat suits and meat dresses. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We are a good podcast about bad books, movies, and television. This is episode number 137. We have now done Whoa. as many episodes as the time in the afternoon that AJ has to tell Corey that he loves her in the movie Empire Records. At 1.37 p.m. exactly. Oh. The official minute of hipster love. It's a great movie. Speaking of things from the mid-90s that have come back to haunt me today, this week we are talking about Titanic, the 1997 James Cameron (laughs) film, uh, recently released in the third dimension, which didn't fix any of the script problems from the original release, but uh, did make it way more (laughs) headache-causing. This week's episode is sponsored by audiblepodcast.com slash readandweep. If you go to that address, sign up for a free trial membership, you can get an audiobook for free and support our show, both of which you get to keep, even if you cancel your membership before it charges you any money. So for $0, show-supported, audiobook listen, it's great. You could even use it to get the book The Titanic, Disaster of the Century by Win Craig Wade. Also, if you want to re- force us to read a topic of your choice, you can go to readdeshweep.com slash sponsor. Although right now, uh, for the next few weeks, we're currently sold out through May. But in a couple weeks, we're going to open up uh, again for some June episodes. So depending on when you're listening to this, there may be availability. Check it. Read-weep.com. Sponsor. I'm your host, of course. My name is Alex Falcone. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex underscore Falcone. And these are some of my friends. Joining me today from San Francisco, California, it's Ezra Fox. I'm the Prince of the Prow. <laughs> <laughs> you ever notice that basically they're just turning into her into a wooden figurehead for a second, and she really likes it? <laughs> I'm a mermaid stapled to this boat. <laughs> That's right, Alex. They were always fastened with staples. They were, you know, they didn't have fancier things back yeah, then no super glue so it must have been stable yeah just a just a boston standard staple also joining us he's at c walter smith on twitter in seattle washington it's chris smith thanks alex you know every night in my dreams i see you i feel you and that's how i know that you also hated this movie that's not a creepy thing to say to somebody because sometimes in my dreams i'm like on the moon or something like i have a variety of dreams and yeah. every one of yours involves feeling me i see you alex and a pan flute. Uh, yeah, pan f- <laughs> fucking pan flute. Don't even get me started on the pan flute. Uh, also joining us today, you may remember her from episode number 104, where we talked to her about the psychological effects of the Hunger Games. Uh, from Queens, New York, it's Lisa. So many 3D bubbles. bubbles. <laughs> if I was a 3D dolphin, I would love to swim through those 3D bu- bubbles. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> bubbles. <laughs> That was the thing you took away from this movie is like pockets of air under the water. <laughs> well, it's just like that uh, thing at Universal, the Muppets, where there's bubbles coming out into the audience. You know, I thought they were real and I could like feel I loved it. I just wanted to stay in the bubbles. <laughs> if anybody has a little uh, one of those little canisters uh, of bubble blowing ability, all of a sudden Lisa's best friend forever. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into the. Let's talk about the movie now. Uh, in case you don't remember the plot from when you were in high school and uh, had to sit through it with your parents, maybe that was just me. Uh, we're all of the age that this was a high school movie, right? But maybe our audience is either older or younger than that. High school? Yeah. Wasn't it? 
Yeah, 97? Well, that's... 97 is junior high. Uh, junior high, for sure. Like All right, late cool. elementary, early junior high. All right, well, in case you've forgotten it from your late elementary, early junior high careers, uh, Chris, <laughs> I would like yeah, you to hi. summarize this in 3D. All right. Picture the scene. It's 1912. You're in Northampton, England. There's street vendors, you know, all over the place, flinging melons right in your face and fish and everything else. It's right in your, go out into the audience. And among this tableau, you see rising up along the side of the shore, the Titanic, the largest ship ever made. They call it unsinkable, and yet you know there's a certain doom about it, because you've read history or... Or saw this uh, movie in 1997. <laughs> or saw this movie in 1997, or as I did, partially on a plane in 1998. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the entire movie is about uh, the Titanic... Uh, and the voyage, the doomed maiden voyage, voyage of the Titanic, which is sailing from England to New York. Now, uh, James Cameron has littered it with uh, class stratification. So the upper class people, there's Rose, played by Kate Winslet. She's engaged to Cal, played by, uh, well, Billy Zane with yeah, some Zane. <laughs> something something on his head. Um, but... Uh, and she doesn't really like him, but he's rich, so she's going to marry him. Her mom is, is really uptight. And then there's also our scrappy lower-class guy, played by Leo DiCaprio. His name's Jack Dawson. And he he and his Italian buddy won tickets to the ship in a poker game and made it on just in time and have fun and dance with the people in the steerage and, and uh, our, our rapscallions. So anyway, Lady meets Tramp. Instant love. Uh, they're sneaking around around her fiancé. And uh, get to doing it in, like, you know, two days, and he draws her when she's naked on a sofa. Um, anyway, the ship starts to sink, because it hit an iceberg. And uh, <laughs> there's another hour of the ship sinking. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, really. This it's a three-hour movie. This movie is so fucking long. And uh, there are some computer effects. There are some models. There are a lot of people falling off the boat into the water, mm -hmm. into the North Atlantic. Mm -hmm. uh, not a lot of people make it out. Rose makes it out at the end. And you know this also because there's a framing device uh, yeah. where uh, Bill Paxton plays this this dive team guy who's going and trying to recover treasure from the, from the sunken Titanic. And uh, Rose, who's now a very old lady in the 90s, uh, comes aboard the ship and starts telling her story. I should point out that about all those people falling off the boat, like everything else, it's really, it's like... You know, it's late 90s CG, so it's not... Very, so it looks like The Sims yeah. are having a really shitty day. <laughs> I wish they yeah. had, like, pinball sound effects yeah. to that, because, like, that would have really made that There was a lot funny. of pinballing off things. Yeah, do you remember how much bullshit pod racing was? Like that, <laughs> but people falling off a boat. Uh, so let's get into... Before we say all that, actually, this sounds mean. Let's get into our compliment sandwich. We like to start and end every show with a compliment. It's why uh, we seem like fair and legitimate criticism to someone who's not paying really close attention. Uh, but uh, so we, we are nice at the beginning and the end. And Lisa, as the guest, you have the right to go first or last in the opening compliment. Which do you prefer? Um, I'll go first. Excellent. So what's my compliment? Yes. Um. <laughs> yes. So Lisa, you did watch this movie as, as a young girl, did you not? Oh my god, do I really have to tell you about this? Because yes, I saw okay. it on How many times? Day. How many times? I've only seen it once because uh -huh. once was enough in a good way. I didn't want to ruin the magic because uh, I was 13, right? Yeah, I was 13. Yeah. And um, opening day, and I loved Leonardo DiCaprio. 
to like a creepy, creepy amount. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. So I took my Polaroid camera because you know how those Polaroids had like the little sticky things. Oh, um, yeah. The, right. The, yeah. It was, this was, was in the time purple? before like you could Google image search things. So I loved Leonardo DiCaprio to the point that I would take pictures of the television of Leonardo DiCaprio on what? drawing panes. Oh yeah, that's great. So I had like a bunch of Polaroids <laughs> of like of Leonardo DiCaprio from Growing Pains because I didn't want to be cliche and like him from um, Romeo and Juliet. I wanted to like him from Growing Pains. Sure. So I took pictures of him and then stuck them up all over my room, and my mother was just very confused. Um, yeah, but yeah. So both by your this... huh? Both by your interest in him and your inability <laughs> to master poster technology. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> all of that. I mean, all of this, the is above. Like, this is sort of like the audio cassette from the radio, but worse. Yeah. Like the quality of him on those pictures that you're trying to sploosh over must have been really terrible. Yeah, they were bad, but I, I just, I knew that it was of him, so therefore I loved them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, well, I really wanted. This is really important to me. Uh, so, how was the experience of, you know, 16 year old Leonardo DiCaprio? Uh, now, when you, now that you're an adult and you're too old to sploosh over so him, I am so disturbed. Like he's, I cannot. He's fine too, actually. You can still sploosh if you want. I yeah. cannot tell you. I cannot tell you how disturbing this experience was watching it again, <laughs> <laughs> because I just wanted to know. Like the Titanic, I think, actually affected me psychologically. Where, like, I think that I might have been into teenage girls because he looks like a young. Like a thirteen-year-old girl, and maybe I'm a lesbian, and I was just like, "Why was I so into him?" So that thing was like making me question myself. Um, and then the other thing was, I mean, we'll get into it, but uh, I think I find antique cars really hot. Like, wow. <laughs> like so it's the gold plating on the see, runner boards, huh? It, that's see, that's like, where it is. Yeah, this movie see, defined like, your young sexuality. Tees, and I'm like, oh my god, that's so sexy. <laughs> and I didn't know why. And then I watched this, and I'm like, oh my god. Wow. This is why well, it's the first sex scene I've ever seen. Yeah. So yeah, that'll yeah. have that effect. You know. Uh, <laughs> so for for you guys, then how was it the other way? Because I remember as a kid finding uh, finding Kate Winslet to be weird looking, and now as an adult, I I think she's quite comely in this film. Please don't ever say that phrase again. <laughs> yeah, why don't you stay away from the word not, I mean, she's a, she's a good-looking lady. Oh, no, I, I, I totally agree. Very attractive. <laughs> well, I was in awe, and also I remember just hating her. Because I was, she was because, getting because she got Leo and you, and you didn't? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hated Kate one time. So that was all holding up. Did, 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 was your compliment in there, or did we? No, we no, not yet. We I just wanted to explore the I topic. Like of the, Lisa. Definitely the compliment. Like I, that was more hating on it because this is like a, a traumatic experience for me. If you'd like, we'll go in. we can put this As whole a, podcast thing aside, not review this movie, and just talk about your sexual <laughs> development if you'd prefer. No. But I can't but imagine really a twenty-seven-year-old school I'm teacher sorry, I meant going if into. We'd prefer. <laughs> But seriously, like asking a 27-year-old school teacher to go and see Titanic by herself is yeah. so sad. You didn't have to go by yourself. We, we didn't ask that part. <laughs> we just told you we'd only reimburse one ticket. That's not the same thing. Um, so yeah, that that was kind of special for me. I definitely used the machine to buy the ticket and like, kind of like wore sunglasses. I do that for all the Read It and Weep movies. 
I always use the ticket machine set up to admit to anybody that I'm going to watch this movie by myself. <laughs> and then the ticket taker guy was like, hmm, Titanic. <laughs> That's in theater yeah. six. And I was like, how dare you judge me? You work at a movie theater. Don't you always want to explain it? It's for a podcast. Yeah, it's, for, it's for a podcast. I, this is why I've got the notebook because I'm, I'm clearly a reviewer because clearly it's important for the society that we review a 15-year-old mm-hmm. movie that yeah. they've been re-released <laughs> with some minor after effects. Yeah, I've got yeah. a show by notepad. I'm taking notes. Yeah. Anyway, um. anyway so compliment, please. I, the framing device that you talk about is so slow and I don't have that kind of patience, but I still have like the attention span of like a four year old girl. So I really enjoyed the bubbles, as I mentioned, um, and <laughs> I kept like trying to robots. claw at them because I'm a full grown adult clawing at imaginary bubbles, um, trying to pop them. And then, but every time it got really boring, like a strand of hair or a, or a, um, cord, a telephone cord would come out and I'd like have to like duck. In a... <laughs> it was just like the most exciting thing that's happening right now is like Kate, Win- Kate Winslet's curl is like coming at me. And I was like, I'm going to pull it. I'm going to pull it. You hair. seem like a fun person to watch a 3D movie with. <laughs> so I was like really into the 3D that was completely extraneous, had like no excitement whatsoever, but I was like, I'm going to make this fun and think about how I'm going to pull everybody's hair and how that, that, 3D telephone cord was really important, and I'm going to pop all the bubbles. And, yeah, so I sort of was having a good time. That's awesome. That is a <laughs> that is very healthy of you. Basically, your compliment here is, again, to you for yeah. being able yeah. to have a good time. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm well, really fun, even yeah. though this movie wasn't that fun. Uh, awesome. Absolutely. So I'm going to go second for my compliment. Um, you know, one of the things that... It, it, there's a lot of depressing things that have to do with this disaster. We obviously refer to it as a disaster all the time because 1,500 people died. But uh, like 700 or so people were rescued. And one of the things that I thought this time when I was watching the movie that I hadn't really paid attention to before is that there were several uh, like uh, boat employees who were doing a very good job staying calm, keeping people organized, getting them on the boats. They were like – who were running the lifeboats who were doing a really good job. Yeah. And uh, – yeah, there's some great safety work. And so now I think I'm more optimistic when everything... I think from now on, I'm a lifeboat is half full kind of guy. Oh, <laughs> that's quite beautiful. That was a yeah, long I mean, walk-up for that joke. Yeah, that, that was a really <laughs> long walk-up. You get a walk-up. golf clap at the top. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Awesome. All right, uh, next compliment. Ezra. I got a no retreat, no surrender. Oh, awesome. Oh, <laughs> God, yes. Um, one of the robots in the beginning... Duncan. Duncan, yeah. He had a lot of personality. <laughs> the mini sub. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And mini sub Duncan. Did he have a twin Snoop? mini sub named Donut? No, he, he uh, did have a twin mini sub whose name was not as good. I've forgotten now. It was Snoop. 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 Oh, Snoop Dogg, of course. Yeah. He was I love Snooping. Snoop Dogg. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. The I, the original mini sub that found Titanic was named Alvin. And, Correct. And, and, and this was named Duncan. And Duncan is a way better name than Alvin. So huge oh, problem. I'm just going to oh. dunk him down. Yeah. Well, I think Alvin was an acronym for like aquatic. Uh, yeah, life no one cares. Vehicle it wasn't named in... for a chipmunk because that was kind of. <laughs> that, that's the other thing. <laughs> really high voice. This this uh, robot. <laughs> a lot of covers of Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, uh, Chris, minor co- or major compliment. Oh God! So as you totally stole my compliment feature because I wanted a no tr- retreat, no surrender with uh, Febreze, um, Leo's uh, Italian oh, sidekick Fabri- friends. Fabrizio. <laughs> oh, Fabriz. I just called him Mario, but continue. Yeah. 
with Luigi. <laughs> Luca Spaghetti. But, um, no, he was so awesome. Like, he just goes around, he's, like, having fun with the blonde chick down in down at the party um, awesome. in third class. He's also, like, you know, been making his way across Europe. He is, like, fucking saving lives and being badass when the ship is going down. And, like, he's, he's just, everything he does, he's dude. happy he's and wonderful. He's a stereotype. He's a, he's a good a dude. He's a racist stereotype. No, he's, a, good he's, he's, a, he's a monotype, Lisa. He's an Italian guy. It's not Italian oh guys God. are this. It's just Italian guy. Um, <laughs> also, you know, like, he didn't win the poker hand. He got forced, like, he got to go to America for free, essentially, and, uh, yeah. like, just enjoyed the ride. He just, like, he's a good buddy, a good number two. He did have the best line of the movie. Which was well, it was in the front of the boat where he's going. Um, I think I see it. It's the Statue of Liberty. It's very small. It's very small. <laughs> I was just like, oh my god! Yeah, that, that just awesome. happened. That just happened. Also, I mean, I guess you could try to have a no retreat, so no, sur- no surrender with him after he got crushed by the giant pillar oh, from the sure. ship. Yeah, that's. A- we don't know that. that. Was the best death. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I guess he could have. Italian soccer become- players fall over and don't mean it all the time. <laughs> He was faking dead. He was world cupping that <laughs> so that the rat would smoke stack. The yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, now it's time for our uh, our regular segment, our anchor segment, our hate segment. Uh, this time, uh, our hate game is uh, it's going to be really easy. We're just going to sit down, have a nice piece of hate, and uh, it should be should be fun. What's that supposed mm. to be? Lots of things right yeah. with that. Piece of hate? Like, it's easy? Like. Oh. What? Okay. Because pi- pirates had, like, some coins that were called oh, pieces, pieces of hate. Eight. Oh, that's why. Oh. Yeah, and I thought you meant piece of steak. I was going to ask for some A1 hate sauce. <laughs> <laughs> or hate one sauce. Yeah, those are both good suggestions. Look for that in a future episode. <laughs> so, let me start out with this. We've already hinted at it or said it explicitly. It is a long goddamn movie. Oh What's the God. running time on this shit? Three yeah. hours 3:15. and 15 minutes oh, of a movie previews. about water rushing sounds. I had to pee so bad. <laughs> I had to drink so bad afterwards. <laughs> oh, I, I just had to get out. Anyway, but having it be constantly whoosh, 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 <laughs> bubble, bubble, a bubble, bubble, whoosh, whoosh. God damn it. <laughs> that's what bubbles sound like. Yeah, that's the Foley. That's the, that's the guy. I'm a professional sound effects guy. Here, give me another one. Give me another one. Give me something. What's a sheep, sheep sound like? Sheep. I'm a sheep. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm a sheep. Check out sheep over here. What's the sound of peeling a carrot? Like, oh, ow, my peel. Ow, I'm a carrot. Oh, from the carrot's perspective. Good, very good. That's new. All right. Postmodern. Other hates? Uh, well, oh. just going on that, Um, there's like, yeah, so executives you know rightly so probably wanted to cut one of the hours uh of this movie <laughs> oh, gosh. um because they you know already gone you know like hell over budget and they realized that if it's super long we can't show as much of it <laughs> and um, there's a great line uh that you know so cameron uh james cameron of course said you know no and he said you want to cut my movie you're gonna have to fire me and then realized that like he'd probably do that so he said you want to fire me you're gonna have to kill me because <laughs> <laughs> that'll make it way harder for them <laughs> <laughs> this wait where is this from i'm confused what yeah. 
It, it, this is the extended quote from Wikipedia. So um, this happened. You're not making. You're not yeah. being funny. This happened. No, this, wow. this is real. This is real. That James Cameron <laughs> actually said this. He was and, like, if you want to cut my movie, you're gonna have to fire me. And then, you know, probably after thinking about it for a second, he realized they probably would fire him. So you want to <laughs> fire me? You're gonna have to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I gotta hate. Uh, all right. Here's my. This, I have a, this is a big hate. Uh, I I'm a romantic. <laughs> I really am. No, I really am. I, like, I think it's beautiful when people give up something to be with somebody. I think that's awesome. Uh-huh. But Jack slept under a bridge last night. He <laughs> is literally a hobo. This relationship, in the classic Caprio. sense of the word. This relationship will not work out. The like the first night she camps out with him under a bridge and then you know begs for spare change on the street corner. Sure, romantic. They'll enjoy it. It'll be a fun story. But the second and the third and the thirtieth, she is not actually going to stay in love with a homeless person. No, Alex. Alex, they'll find a car. Okay, <laughs> they'll find a car and it will be really hot and it'll be fine. They're gonna fog it up. <laughs> Okay, oh man, so many problems with that. Uh, but first of all, Lisa, you do understand that there's more to a long-term romantic relationship than fucking in a car once, because you just said they'll find a car and then everything will be fine. Then you're wrong. Well, he's okay, Alex, have you tried to build a relationship on this before? Because if you haven't, I don't think you know. Yeah, I, I have. But also, I have not. The tried. most romantic. Oh, I've not tried to build a relationship entirely on car sex. And I think the most ro- go Lisa. <laughs> I thought the most romantic part was him teaching her how to spit. Or at least <laughs> that's what I remember when I was thirteen. Like for some reason, I thought that was really, really romantic. <laughs> that like Man. teaching a girl how to hawk a lo- loogie is like that's that's it, guys. And your her heart is is his. gonna go on and on and on. Man, yeah, it's uh, gonna boy. go on. New pickup. I'm gonna avoid a blowjob joke right here. So <laughs> you're welcome, guys. <laughs> I'm glad you have, because uh, every every moment of this show, I just want to change it from Read It and Weep to A Diary of Lisa <laughs> Sexual Development. <laughs> I'll bleep your last name, sorry. Oh, thanks, I appreciate um, that. Yeah, oh, man. Like her name is Lisa Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Hey, speaking of Titanic, um, so the movie... <laughs> Which we are I'm, today. I'm going to put that anywhere. Segway. That is a good segue, Chris. We should use that all the time. <laughs> Coming into the explicit class structure, uh, the Irish were also pissed that the English were taking credit for the boat when it was an Irish-made boat. Yes. Yeah. I don't think they're pissed anymore. <laughs> I think they come out on top of that one. You know what? That is a great English boat that sank. It's really tragic. <laughs> All right, so guys, we have we have a, a very special guest today, and I say that all the time, and this time it's true. She's the author of the Physic Book of Deliverance Day, in which we talked about a few episodes ago, and also the author of the just-released the House of Velvet and Glass. Please welcome Catherine Howe to our show. Thanks for having me, guys. This is so cool. So <laughs> here here's the thing, Catherine. So in case people don't know the backstory, mm-hmm. uh, so we, we talked about uh, your first book a short time ago. Uh, right, right. Before... you actually, you talked about it. Twice for forty-five minutes each time. That is, is true. <laughs> in 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 two halves, yes. Yeah. And this was originally purchased as a Christmas present uh, for 
somebody's fiance, so which is actually a really wonderful romantic story. Anyway, so we talked about your book in number 122 and 23, mm-hmm. and you found out through some sort of Google I alert think I saw system. I on Twitter uh, oh. somewhere along the line, and I'll be honest with you guys, I have not listened to either of the podcasts. Oh, perfect, I, good. I, I sent them to uh, <laughs> I sent them to a good friend of mine who then who then listened to them and then uh, live G chatted me his uh, constructive criticisms of your humor. Oh, good. So uh, <laughs> everything that I know about your podcast is basically third hand. That's sure. awesome. A better picture. Well, so do you, you know, when other people say things that are maybe not flattering, or I guess flattering, but are not meant to be, um, do you normally, like, would you normally say something to somebody that is uh, being a jerk? Do you, would you normally say, like, or do you normally just, like, let this stuff roll off your back? Uh, I, I, I think most authors don't respond to negative reviews, because um, there's, there's nothing that you're going to say that's that's going to be really constructive. I mean, there are a couple of different ways that, that reviews can go and uh, that, that can be negative. And I think the most common one is, um, I wanted the book to be different from how it was. <laughs> you know, like, I really would have liked it if only she'd done X, Y, and Z and made all this stuff different. And oftentimes that form of, uh, of criticism usually has a lot to do with the person who's levying the criticism. Like, this isn't how I would have done it. I would have done it this way, and it would have been much better. Well, the only way that you can respond to that, you, you can't really say, like, okay, well, the next time I write this exact book, I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a really useful thing to say. And, um, you know, sometimes it'll just be that whatever you've produced doesn't happen to be a given person's cup of tea, which is, I mean, that's inevitable. Not everybody has the same taste. And, uh, right. you know, if you, if you go on, on um, Goodreads, for example, and look at the reviews of The Age of Innocence, which is by mm-hmm. Edith Wharton, which is my favorite novel, um, The Age of Innocence has won the Pulitzer Prize. Edith Wharton is probably the most important woman in the history of American letters. Right. And I think yeah. The Age of Innocence has, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it has like three and a half stars on Goodreads. And frankly, <laughs> if, you're giving, if you're giving The Age of Innocence one star on Goodreads, it's because you are mistaken. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, you, but, it, but there's also the thing, you know, of uh, maybe it's just not to your taste. So there's, in general, there's not a lot to be said in response to it. And every once in a blue moon, you'll get a... Um, some kind of ad hominem attack where someone will draw a conclusion about the author based on based on the work and um, and usually that's again has so much more to do with whoever's loving the criticism than it has to do with I mean none of these people know me well in this case the one thing that we did uh, assume about you which we did not make into an ad hominem attack but we assumed that you were a librarian Oh, that's interesting, because, and you know, by far the most, uh, the highest percentage of hate mail that I received for a physic book uh, was from librarians. That that would have been my guess, because we had several people, and this is one of, you know, this is, uh, I guess, no such thing as bad publicity, because although we are, uh, as a career, mean to things on the show, mm-hmm. we had several fans say that they went out and bought the book because they heard there were librarians in it, and they are librarians, and so you simultaneously... Uh, set out and wrote a book that has an action hero librarian that all the librarians can get behind and then also has all this librarianism for the librarians to complain about. Right, it's true. Well, the funny thing is, when I was writing it, I first of all, I did not notice that I was being hard on librarians. And I even got one, um, I got one complaint from someone who didn't like my... I have a nice librarian character, and um, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, 
strangely enough, that character, I, for her kind of personality and physiognomy, I, I based her on my deceased grandmother. <laughs> and this, oh. person, this person hated my nice librarian because my nice librarian was too stereotypically librarian-y. <laughs> I thought, well, all right, so you're just not going to like the way librarians are represented. But the truth is, I was working on physics book when I was a PhD student. And I think that uh, most academics who I know who have, who have read the book um, or who are still PhD students themselves have often encountered the occasional archivist who believes it is his or her job to stand between the researcher and the archive, to protect the archive from the incursions of, of grubby academics. Right. And, uh, and so I think, you know, that it has more to do with um, time spent in grad school and, <laughs> and <libraries laughs> Well, so... So you you wrote this as a as a grad student and it did it did very well. Um, I was very fortunate. Yeah. Yes, and and you have you have a new book that is out. Are, did how did the the whole PhD thing pay off? My mother made you ask me that, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, as as I'll a fellow creative. I, when I do book events now, it's gotten to the point where readers will occasionally say, "Are you done yet?" <laughs> <laughs> And the truth of the matter is, I'm still technically a PhD student. I'm a I'm a oh. full-time writer at this juncture, which is which is great. But um, I am still technically finishing my PhD. It should be done within the next couple of months. Well, so given that oh, you're, wow. yeah, congratulations on that. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, given that you're that this that the the last book appealed so much to librarians, what underappreciated career are you trying to make into a hero in your new book? Oh, that's a good question. Um, probably shopfront psychics. <laughs> Finally, they're going to get the respect they deserve. Well, listen, New York City rent is really high. We can mm-hmm. agree on that. So I've heard. Yes. And it's, you've got to pay for your shopfront psychic. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so tell, us a, tell us a little bit uh, about your new book. Well, the new book is called The House of Velvet and Glass, and it follows um, a Boston Brahmin family who loses two family members on the Titanic. So it's... There is a little bit of Titanic in the course of the story, although most of the action takes place in 1915. And uh, a young sort of almost spinster in this family, Sybil Alston, uh, she has been going to see a spirit medium for a couple of years following losing her mother and her sister on the Titanic. And uh, one day when she comes home from having been uh, visiting this sort of spirit medium group that she's in the habit of going to, um, she finds that her brother has been kicked out of Harvard under mysterious circumstances. And then she has to, she's, this kind of, this event precipitates a, a chain of pretty dramatic events in which she has to uh, figure out what the problem with her brother is and, and kind of solve it uh, for him. And in the course of doing that, she's going to uncover some pretty shocking stuff about her father and, and her father's past and herself. And so it's very much about... Um, about being on the cusp of the 20th century and uh, teen, and also about the ways, the sort of unexpected ways that large-scale world events like the sinking of the Titanic can continue to reverberate on an individual level for many years after. Yeah, I mean, if it weren't for the, like, obviously a horrible tragedy, but it's led to, you know, Downton Abbey and other wonderful things, so... (laughs) Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I just about had a heart attack when I watched Downton Abbey because... If you were watching it, then you know that there is a character on that program named Sybil, mm-hmm. which is my protagonist's name, and that it opens with the sinking of the Titanic, and my yeah. opens on the Titanic. And so I thought Julian Fellows had been reading my email or something. <laughs> that would be pretty okay. I'd be all right with that. 
<laughs> so, well, one of the things I know, obviously, as an author, then a lot of the time you're hoping that something gets turned into a uh, into a, a blockbuster movie. That's part of the the long term visions. Does the fact that this is that that Downton Abbey exists, or that say Titanic exists, does any of that take away from your blockbuster movie potential? <laughs> I couldn't say. I, I really couldn't say. I think that uh, I think that most blockbuster movies these days tend to be based on uh, on comic books and on uh, on rides at amusement parks, like based on Runaway Mine Train at Six Flags Dallas. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Catherine, follow-up question: Are you, do you have any plans to turn this book into either a comic book, um, a board game, or a uh, amusement park ride? <laughs> I personally have not made any of those plans just yet, but I will say that there's going to be a pretty fun Facebook app, uh, and oh. which is which is going to be coming out in about a week, uh, where you can ask a crystal ball uh, for personal advice. And well, just okay, I'm just just throwing this out there. This is a gift from me to you. Oh wow, I love I love presents. But if the ri- if you have the ride, it's yeah. called the Fun House of Velvet and Glass. <laughs> <laughs> also, I also went toyed with. The bounce house of velvet and glass. That would be more of a kids' ride. Um, that is a most remarkable gift. I will give you a gift. Would you like to know what my gift to you is? I would love to. Thank you. Well, I was trying to come up with the uh, title for the book. Titling books is really hard, and I'm very, very bad at it. And uh, this, the house of velvet and glass, is not the title that I was calling it. Uh, while I was working on it, it had a different title that, like Physic Book of Deliverance Dane, had kind of an archaic word in it. But that was, I was worried that that might be kind of too weird. So I was coming up with a big, long list of um, of possible titles. And one of the lead contenders, and I think you can probably guess why I didn't go with it, was The Velvet Box. <laughs> <laughs> that is a gift. That's how I'm going to think of it from now on. I know. It seems like it's a good idea that you did not call it The Velvet Box, because that only had a 36% chance of being a best-selling title, according to uh, Lulu.com. So. Oh, very good. And, and how does that how does that algorithm uh, enjoy House of Velvet and Glass? I I will get back to you. There's, <laughs> <laughs> there. You can't bust out the statistics and not be prepared to back it up. All right, yeah. hold on. He's only googling so quickly. <laughs> also, also worth noting is that you currently um, outscore uh, Edith Wharton's classic uh, Ethan Frome by a full, uh, uh, like nearly half a star. Holy cow! <laughs> so congrats wow. on that. I I I I am I don't know what to say to that because to be honest, Ethan Frome is not my favorite Edith Wharton star. Oh well, congrats on that then. Well, um, yeah, you, you don't want to beat her best book. You yeah, just want to beat her less right, best right. book. You're only point two stars behind uh, Age of Innocence, also. So wow. that's pretty close. All right. So, so <laughs> clearly, <a> very scientific. <laughs> I have a Titanic question for you because yeah. we did just watch the film. Well, first of all, I guess I'm just out of curiosity. Is your timing of this Titanic-related book and the re-release of the blockbuster movie at all related? Did your publicist check this when this <laughs> was happening? It is a happy accident, in truth. I mean, I started thinking about this uh, the, the story in the House of Velvet and Glass back in 2008. So but, I've been working on it for quite some time. And actually, but it's as opposed to like holding it two months or releasing it two months ago this they is just did, entirely i mean it was it, once once we all kind of looked at the calendar and figured out that the the titanic centennial is coming up on um, right 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 yeah uh-huh. tax day and the titanic centennial all <laughs> into one. and uh and so that was a that was definitely kind of a, everybody's gonna be so bummed all day long i know i know well so one of the things i wanted to know because we just went out and and, and saw this uh in in the 3d how was it uh, it, it was, was one right. more D than before. 
Did you weep? <laughs> My eyes did water for a while. There's the, the glasses are on for a long. It's three and a half yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, in truth, I did cry. I mean, I'm a weeper, so it's uh-huh. really not hard. Although, there was this, like, I, the whole... It's okay, you can be honest. The whole young love thing, I think, is a little hard. It's just so hard to believe, because he's a hobo, and <laughs> she doesn't know him at all. But there's this scene where the, the ship is sinking, and they're showing shots of people who have sort of, like, resigned themselves. Yeah. And there's, like, a mom with her kids, which seems kind of messed up, because they didn't have a chance to fight for their lives, and there would have been plenty of room on boats. But yeah. And there's, like, the classy gentleman with his snifter, who's going to die classy. And yeah. then there's this like 85 year old couple that is just spooning and it is the saddest part of that whole movie it's so beautiful i really shouldn't be because like they're surprising like this should be surprised to be alive at 85 like at that time (laughs) right like there actually there actually was a couple and i'm not going to be able to conjure their names up for you um unfortunately because i i'm just not remembering them right now but there is a, a couple that is has been documented you can read about them in um a Night to Remember, which is the famous Walter Lord book about sure. the Titanic, in which the uh, the elderly woman was offered a spot on a lifeboat, and the elderly man said, you should go, and um, and he wasn't given a spot on the lifeboat because they were filling it with women and children first. And she said, um, I'm I'm not going to go if you're not going. I'm going to stay with you. I, You know, the like I understand that Leo and Kate is supposed to be the romance of a lifetime, but mm-hmm. if you want to make me weep, it's old people in love. I just... I I adore old people in love. It's so fun. Um, Catherine, I'm ready for your title score. You want to hear it? <laughs> okay. So, it, dep- so it, it depends, basically. If your title is literally about a house made of velvet and glass, it's 41.4% <laughs> chance. But if it's figuratively about a house of velvet and glass, then it's 69%. I'm going to go with figurative then. Excellent. Straight up figurative. Great. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very uh, much. Any other questions, you guys? Well, do you think um, that it had anything to do with them being um, really polite? Because every time they had to give a message to each other, and because they're British, they kept saying thank you, even though it was like an extreme like situation. <laughs> and I know that was in the movie. I just do you think that could have actually happened. But like they allowed, the, they said, "Iceberg, please pass in front of us. You had the right of way here." <laughs> I mean, there definitely was a, a greater kind of sense of propriety and partly a, a sense of class hierarchy is one of the things that you run into with that time period. Oh, really? Class hierarchy? If well, only James iceberg? Cameron had taken a few moments to point that out to yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> but where does the iceberg fall on class? Yeah, that's the issue. <laughs> well, especially in the black icebergs especially, right? Because it was such <laughs> still a racial time. A racist boat. Yeah. Um, actually, that that's an interesting question too, Lisa, because it's like the one of the things that strikes strikes me is the, the the delightful Britishness of this whole endeavor. Had this been the world's largest ship built in and and launched from, say, Texas, would yeah. they have have had a totally different system of getting messages and would and saving people and? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm assuming it would have been armed uh, <laughs> and just blown up the iceberg well before it got to. <laughs> Also, a, bit, a drunk guy would be really loud, and everybody could hear him go, "Asperg!" Probably just charge it. I'm guessing the captain would be sitting on a on a rocking chair, going, "Oh, their icebergs are worse than they were last year at this time." That was lemonade sound effect. <laughs> or they, they maybe say like the iceberg is proof that there is no global warming. <laughs> That's more of a modern Texas boat. <laughs> Well, I didn't believe in it then either. Um, Catherine, before we let you go, um, do you have any uh, lasting, I guess, nuggets of wisdom for uh, aspiring authors on how to deal with criticism? 
Well, you know, that's that's actually an interesting question. Um, before Physic Focus Deliverance Dane came out, a very good friend of mine took me out for lunch, uh, and this good friend of mine is a successful novelist in his own right. He's been kind of a mentor to me in the course of this novel writing practice, and he, he took me out and he said, I want to talk to you about reviews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was something that I hadn't really thought about, and I think when his first novel came out, it was something he hadn't really thought about either. And... I mean, the only advice I can give would be to recognize that you're not necessarily going to be able to make everybody happy. You just aren't. And uh, and all you can do is try to produce work that you're proud of and work that that you feel like really accomplishes what you set out to do. And in my case, that is telling a really good story that's really well-researched, that helps transport readers to a different time, a different point of view, and a different place for a little while in a way that's fun and rewarding. And the fortunate thing is, you know, for every piece of hate mail or bad review that I may have gotten, uh, I gave a reading in Salem once in which a nine-year-old girl brought me a physics book which she had made herself. She made a physics book and she wanted to show it to me. And so, and I started to cry. So that happened. And then I also got an email from a woman who read physics book which has a lot of themes about mothers and daughters. And she read it while she was sitting with her mother in the hospital and waiting for her mother to die. And she found it very useful and, and you know, found themes in that book helped her at a time when she needed to think about those things. And so, frankly, it's, it's the experiences like that that make this job such an exquisite job to have. And, uh, and no amount of um, complaint <laughs> can take those experiences away. And I'm just so grateful to that. Well, I mean, I think it's a beautiful place to end it. And, uh, and so just one before you, be your last, as your last bit of work, is there a place that is better than others for people to go and buy the House of uh, Velvet and Glass that you, you mentioned an email to me that they you only from bookstores that report to the New York Times if possible. <laughs> is, you know, is there a place where they, where they can get it, where you get more credit than other places? No, no. Uh, but I, I will say... This is, this is just my own little political bent. You know, it's getting harder and harder for independent bookstores to uh, to keep it together these days. And I don't know about you guys, but I assume that you guys are bookish, bookishly inclined individuals, and probably like me, spent much of your teenage time skulking around in the in the aisles of bookstores. And so I think it's important to have maybe broad, <laughs> maybe yeah, um, to have. Do we broad just sound like indoor kids? That's mm-hmm. just so obvious to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, so I, I like to encourage people to, whenever possible, patronize their independent bookstore, um, whatever it might be, uh, because they really create a community for readers in a way that nothing else does. And so um, shop your local independent bookstore. Excellent. And uh, also, for more information, uh, I'm assuming CatherineHow.com exists yes. for you? Yes, uh, CatherineHow.com there is updated before too long. And um, also, as you guys know, you can keep up with me on Facebook where I'm yeah. Catherine Howe, and also on Twitter where I'm Catherine, uh, at Catherine B. Howe. Catherine and that's Howe. Catherine with a K. Catherine yes. With a K. Well, thank you so much for talking with us, Catherine. We thank really appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you. It's an honor. Yeah, I'm glad we got so to do it. This ad was required but not approved by Audible. Meanwhile, in the North Atlantic, 1912.
Rose, promise me you'll survive, that you won't give up, no matter what happens, no matter how hopeless. Promise me now, Rose, and never let go of that promise. I promise. Never let go. I'll never let go, Jack. I'll never let go. Hello? Is anyone alive? Jack! They're here! We're saved! Jack? Jack? Oh, I'll never let go, Jack! Whoa, what was that? Oh, you're still alive. Of course I'm still alive. Are you going to let me go? Well, I, I... That was like the one thing I asked you to do. I thought you were dead. Dead? I was just so focused on listening to The House of Velvet and Glass by Catherine Howe. I got it for free from audiblepodcast.com slash read it and weep. You have... <laughs> Who's Howe? What? No, that was the end of that oh. sentence, Catherine Howe. Very confusing. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Line break. Yep. There you go. So, you had time to get an audiobook. Oh, sorry. You had time to get an audiobook? Well, the ship's been sinking for over an hour. You can only be terrified for so long. I don't know what I would have done in the water if it wasn't for Audible. Tommy, I thought you were dead! Nah, boyo. Just enjoying a, a great story courtesy of Catherine Howe and Audible. Yeah, us too. Oh, I'm not dead. Yeah, I'm no. not dead. My yeah, just into a book. <laughs> the hypothermia, I understand, but I didn't know Audible could heal bullet wounds. Oi, you're right. I was dropped to... Audiblepodcast.com slash read it and weep. Giving you a happy ending. Really? We're, we're saying that now? Yeah, yeah. Happy ending. It's time for our regular movie segment, which we like to bring back uh, some movies, many movies. We like to play the game of Lightning Bonus Round! Lightning Bonus Round. Lightning Bonus Round. Lightning Bonus Round is like our normal rounds, except it can be a hate or a like or anything else. But the important thing to know is that it is fast, and when someone says Lightning Bonus Round, your joke is over. There's a great Meet Joe Black death in here, where uh, a guy falls off the back of the ship, and then he's screaming, ah, and he run- he lands on a propeller and it sends yeah. him spinning through the air so like ah, ah, ah. that and, is uh, the that one of, of one of like three things that i remember from seeing this when i was 13 so i was like I, as soon as this ship started to stick to to tip i was like oh the guy's gonna fall hit the propeller i remember that yeah oh. fucking tight lightning bonus round. i remember that in the uh, inverted nipple lightning bonus round <laughs> um ballet being a badass thing what yeah. <laughs> no no, she was just You cannot drunk. impress Irish They were looking at her ankles in 1915. Looking at her ankles was very sexy, so they were distracted. She was like, my eyes oh. are up here, as are my <laughs> knees and my waist and my abdomen. In fact, everything is up. Why are you looking at my ankles? But there's nothing badass about it. Nothing badass about going to your toes. I just, I agree. I just kind of like picture like just drunk 17-year-old girl, like, you know, like really like kind of slosh around like... Hey, um, do you think you're so badass? <laughs> Look at me, I'm on my toes. Oh. <laughs> tip toes, tip, tip, tip of toes. Lightning bonus round. Done that for years. Lightning bonus round. Bonus round. Um, hey, this is for being, uh, I guess, a uh, great influencer of Jersey Shore. They had a smush car. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yes, I, they, they uh, which, by the way, this is just a thing. As a kid, I thought that was really hot. As an adult, I'm like. You know, it's a good thing the boat sank, because otherwise someone's going to come back to their car and it was going to stink of sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? The perverts who found, who were looking for them, you know, and like on the move looking for the lovers, mm-hmm. they were the first to die. 
I thought that was kind of they funny. They were one of the first to die, definitely. Yeah, because they were down below decks where, uh, where all the no, water was coming. No, because they were perverts. Yeah. <laughs> no, because they're loyal employees. <laughs> Damn it, Lisa. Lightning bonus round. Lightning bonus round. So, Hunger Games style, did you guys think about how you would have failed to survive in this world? Yes. yes. I certainly did. Yeah. Uh, so, tell me yours. I'll go first. Uh, I hate having wet feet. It just drives me crazy. I would have given up way early in the process. If I had been on one of the low decks and the water came in that was like ankle deep and they ran upstairs, I'd be like, leave me behind! (laughs) Fucking done. I don't have any more socks. So Uh, that's me. How would you guys have failed to survive in this world? um, I would have uh, died by trying to get a a bed out of one of the suites to to, use as a raft. Nice. Um, But I also really hate moving furniture, so that probably would have been me. gotten the mattress halfway out and I'm like screw it I'm like, oh, I'll just nap I, I actually like panicked when he couldn't open the door you know how many times they got stuck behind the gates mm-hmm. and that yeah. was like they had these the gates to devices. keep the lower class people down in the yeah ground. and it happened like five times in the movie where like we've seen this <laughs> but but the point is I can't um, open my door all the time I'm really bad with keys and locks <laughs> I would totally have died first time I, I had so to open a door to learn that keys and locks foil you on a regular basis <laughs> yeah, it's it's really sad, guys. But there's no way with water, I could not open that door. I would have died. <laughs> awesome lightning bonus round. Lightning bonus round. I, I had a, just one like a pop up like thought in my head. Um, so at one mm-hmm. point, uh, Rose is on the definitely wide enough for two people um door. <laughs> uh, definitely, it's significantly bigger than like a you know the wreckage that long- she's floating on. Yes, right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, sorry, much bigger than extra long twin, which I'm sure we're all used to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, if they were cuddling, days. definitely warmer. Yeah, definitely yeah. warmer. And, and and she has the audacity to say, "Jack, I'm so cold." And oh, I, I know. Say, like, bitch, I'm in the water. <laughs> that is why I hated Kate Winslet. She killed him. She killed him. Didn't I hated her. Door. No kidding. Uh, other great unhelpful moment in Kate Winslet's career is when they're almost drowning and he has to get the key to unlock the gate. Her, this is her contribution to that scene. Is, uh, to him trying to unlock it was, hurry, hurry, Jack, hurry. We're gonna die, Jack. <laughs> Open the door, Jack. <laughs> Yep. Bitch, get a yep. key. Do something. And he opens it, though. That's how amazing Leonardo DiCaprio is. Does, he it's not amazing that he did it in the water. It's that he, he did it without punching <laughs> Kate Winslow in the face. But, see? Homeless man and annoying lady. This is not going to work. I watched that reality show. <laughs> Lightning bonus round. Lightning bonus round. Um, I like to think that if this movie was made by George Lucas instead of James Cameron... Uh, oh god! The new version, the 3D version that came out, would have had a different ending, and like the iceberg would have shot first. And <laughs> <laughs> lightning bonus uh, round. Lightning bonus round. This is something I guessed Ezra thought. So let's play this game, Ezra. At <laughs> one point early in the movie, uh, when they're all sitting around the table with the rich man, and I think there's, I think he's the head of the White Star Line. The guy with the mustache, yeah. or the guy who yeah. plays the guy, Alias's dad. No, the guy. Yes, his dad. That's and what yes, I her thought. name was Alias. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Sydney Bristow. <laughs> anyway, I'm guessing you looked at him and said, as you thought, it is a shame that this ship is going to sink because it's going to destroy such a glorious mustache. <laughs> It'll make it all soggy. <laughs> Although, fortunately, he ends up surviving with his glorious mustache and uh, yeah. goes on to yeah. procreate and have little mustaches everywhere. <laughs> See, that was an evil mustache, though, clearly. We yeah. knew he was not trustworthy because it, it was too spindly. It's true. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's precisely it. It was the spindliness. 
Thunder bonus round. <laughs> Lightning Ooh. bonus round. I felt like I was stuck in like a, a really poorly designed adventure game because it was like, like, oh no, we're at the bottom of the ship. We have to get the green key to unlock the first <laughs> gate. Oh, now we have to unlock the next gate with a battering ram. Passage blocked. <laughs> Do you turn left or right down this ab- abandoned hallway? Yeah. Awesome. Lightning bonus round. Lightning, Lightning bonus, bonus round. round. Lightning moments around. There was one of my favorite uh, Italian phrases in the in it, though. I think uh, either Fabrizio or maybe that guy. Um, <laughs> he uh, it was a cazzo e, which is like, what the dick is this? <laughs> I like that too. Nice, nice, excellent. Lightning bonus round. Lightning bonus. And that round. brings us to the end of lightning bonus round. Hey. <laughs> It's time for the second half of our compliment sandwich. We're going to go in reverse order, which means, Woo! Chris, you're up first. Yeah. Uh, so my compliment is that they put my, my spirit animal, or my spirit, not spirit, God, let me try that again. Uh, my compliment is that they put me in spirit in this movie. Uh, there's this one point where the ship is sinking, and there is a Syrian dude in glasses and a map trying to translate the sign for E-Deck <laughs> to figure out a way to get off the boat. Seen for like two seconds, but that's me in most places. Your spirit animal is an Indian guy who doesn't know how to read a sign. <laughs> yeah, because I travel in places sometimes where I can't really. You read went on the a sign. spirit quest, and you were out in the desert after six weeks, and then you saw floating above you an Indian guy, a confused reading a sign. Syrian guy. <laughs> confused yeah, Syrian. confused Syrian. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, I can go back to my civilization now. <laughs> And now I know it's okay to be confused by foreign languages. I guess that's good. That was a successful vision quest. Nicely done. Thank you. All right, Ezra, what's your minor compliment? Um, I guess this is um, I don't know, re- restraint. I guess from uh, I guess uh, Rose's part in the sex hmm. scene. Uh, the first thing she does is uh, licks his fingers. He's just been like drawing a lot with the like all those like, pencils oh, yeah. and stuff. Like so, like she, you know. Good for her to not kill the move with, like, wow, your fingers taste a lot like graft. <laughs> <laughs> so the rest of her behavior, the rest of the movie, is just explained by lead poisoning. <laughs> yeah, <absolutely>. <laughs> <laughs> Licking graphite off his fingers. Mm, this is surprisingly tasty. And surprisingly fast-acting. <laughs> <laughs> what a powerful, potent neurotoxin you've discovered. This is awesome. <laughs> I don't feel the water at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it made her suit. Anyway... Uh, awesome. Well, Alternatively, right. she could have just been high for the entire time, and it's just like um, unreliable narrator. Oh, so Jack <laughs> there was didn't no exist? Jack. <laughs> there oh, was no thing. She just ate it. <laughs> this whole thing just it just a boat crossed the the ocean, and all the rich people were fine, and no one remembers. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Uh, all right. So I have for my minor compliment uh, when they have sex in the car and they fog up all the windows. Very famous scene that everybody remembers. But what I didn't re- notice when I was thirteen that I noticed this time was. Leo enters the car through the front window, which yes. Kate completely opens and then pulls him in. Uh, and yet they manage to fog the other three windows with no windshield. That's wow. right. Which means That's a lot of heat. Leonardo DiCaprio, as I'd always assumed, is so hot he makes <laughs> he he literally produces a, a cloud of steam you could hide in. In an empty room. That's as we've that's always funny, suspected. Yes. I as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, they must have closed it. 
Like I saw that this time. You I was just, just like, you that just doesn't assume, make any sense. You just assume that Leo is on the right side of whatever's going on. You just <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio can do no wrong right in your side world. Of physics. Yeah, there is no <laughs> there are no continuity errors if Leo's involved. Well, yeah. I think that you know that privacy barrier wouldn't want to miss on the action and be like, yeah, I'm going to check out this hot scene also. <laughs> it just goes up automatically. Yeah, but it's totally window blocking steering wheel from seeing the action. <laughs> Aaron will never get to see. <laughs> All right, uh, Lisa, last word of the show. Last nice thing anyone's ever going to oh. say about Titanic 3D. Um, I, I guess because I'm immature, I really liked the old lady talking Randy. Yeah. You know? Like, that was really awesome. I love how she's like, do you want? No, we didn't do it. If that's what you're saying. And then they all are like watching. And then she describes a sex scene all hot and erotic. And I was like, yeah, old lady. It was the most erotic <laughs> moment of my young life. Oh, I know. Yeah. Because I was 17. And it was the first time you'd ever taken your clothes off in front of somebody. But that actress was awesome. Yeah. Like, she, she was She was really 87. Old, and she was... <laughs> <laughs> Those extra 14 years of experience really would have been something. It would have. That was the only problem with the movie, Alex. That was like, the one. None of the physics were wrong. No, no, that none was the of... problem. It was right there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, that is it for our show. We will be back again next week. Thank you for joining us. Uh, next week we're talking about Excalibur, the 1981 movie. Um, this episode is sponsored by Nancy, so uh, thank you, Nancy, for your support of our show. If you guys want to buy a topic, uh, we will reopen in a couple weeks for our, and, and put some June episodes up for sale. So readdashwood.com slash sponsor. If you have any uh, feedback for us, the best thing you can do, uh, you can send us an email, podcast at read-weep.com, and we might uh, discuss it on the air. I mean, uh, if we got more read listener mail, that would be fun. And always, there's some great discussion going on on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash weep. And what I would really like to know, um, if you didn't comment on the Hunger Games, you can tell us that, but also on the Titanic, how would you have failed to survive in this really intense situation? Because I love hearing that. So what, what would on the Titanic, what would have gotten you, since you probably wouldn't have been one of the survivors? I'm just guessing. Uh, so let us know on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash we move back again. Thank you so much for joining us, Ez and Chris, as always. Of course. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for joining us once again. Lisa, it has been a pleasure. And thank, you. thank you. It was so much fun hanging out. Thank you for sharing so much about your <laughs> sexual development. Yeah, no problem. All right. Goodbye, everybody. I'm sure you were enlightened. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. <laughs>